invite you to open up to Ephesians chapter 5. We've been in Ephesians for almost two months. We have two more weeks, uh, last two chapters of Ephesians. We're going to read verses 21 through 33. Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Wives, submit yourselves to your own husbands, As you do to the Lord, for the husband is the head of the wife, as Christ is the head of the church, his body, of which he is the Savior. Now, as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit to their husbands in everything. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her to make her holy, cleansing her by the washing with water through the word and to present her to himself as a radiant church without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish, but holy and blameless. In the same way, husbands ought to love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. After all, no one ever hated their own body, but they feed and care for their body just as Christ does the church. For we are members of his body. For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. Now, this is a profound mystery, but I am talking about Christ and the church. However, each one of you must love his wife as he loves himself, and the wife must respect her husband. As we've been going through Ephesians, one of the things that we've said, is that uh, Paul is inviting Christians to see things much differently uh, than their surrounding culture may support. And I think today is no different. Uh, Paul is inviting Christians to see family relationships different, husband and wife uh, relationships much different. And, um, you know, my hope today is that we will, as we work our way through this passage, and, and just leave your Bible open in front of you, because we're going to refer to different verses. Uh, the, the thought that I want to give to you as we begin is that Paul is critiquing Roman culture and what Roman culture said about Husbands, what Roman culture said about uh, wives and husbands. Okay, so Paul is offering a critique of his culture, and he's now telling Christians, here's a new way that I am showing you to relate to one another as husbands and wives. So we're going to start with verse 22. This is the verse that uh, really doesn't need a, a catchy introduction to. You put this verse on the screen, which we're about to do, Verse 22, and it captures uh, lots of people's attention, right? Wives, submit to your husbands, or submit to yourselves, to your own husbands, as you do to the Lord. And when taken all by itself, with nothing else to help us to understand that verse, oh, that, that verse is, you know, for half of us, it kind of makes us cringe a little bit, right? Like, ah, I don't know what to... I don't know what to do with that verse. Wives, submit yourselves to your husbands. It seems old-fashioned. Um, I, you know, uh, 
if you are a wife here today, if that's all you were to see, if that's all you were to know, I wouldn't blame you if you were to read that and think, that, that doesn't sound great at all. What's the, what's the good news in that? So we need all these other verses to help us to see what, what Paul is doing. And I want to give us a couple things to think about submission, first of all. First of all, submission as a command in the Bible is always voluntary submission. It is never forced submission. The word for submission means to arrange um, in a very to arrange under in a very supportive fashion. So think of a bridge. Think of a big Houston bridge over the Houston Ship Channel with all of the 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 support underneath the bridge. That's actually a pretty decent mental image of this word submission. It's to arrange under underneath the bridge in a very helpful way so that the bridge can do its job of being a bridge. Now, in the Roman Empire, um, social and familial relationships were highly ordered to support the society that Rome was trying to build. And so that verse right there, Romans, I mean, Ephesians chapter 5, verse 22, wives, submit yourselves to your husbands, that would have, that verse would have been heard throughout the Roman Empire from the Roman Empire itself. That was not new information that Paul was offering in that verse. Now he's going to help us see it differently. But wives were hearing that from the Roman Empire all along. Wives, submit yourselves to your husbands. Um, one of the, and, and why, why is that? One of the, the ruling philosophical ideas of the day in the ancient Roman Empire, was from the philosopher Aristotle. You probably have heard of Aristotle. Now, a couple things about Aristotle. One, he's probably smarter than everyone in this room. Probably. Very, very smart individual. And probably he saw the world a lot differently than (laughs) people in this room. Now, Aristotle was um, a philosopher, but he was also a scientist. He loved to study the natural world. And he would study the essence of things, the substance of things, so that he could categorize the natural world, study it as a scientist. And as Aristotle looked at men and women, children and slaves, people in the Roman Empire, he believed that there was substantive difference, differences between men and women, and if children and slaves, As well, men, according to Aristotle, were at the top of the four. Women possessed, according to Aristotle, a permanent inequality because they lacked authority. So Aristotle didn't see that as societal, but substantive, that women lacked authority in their nature. Children lacked maturity. Slaves, according to Aristotle, lacked the ability for deliberative higher reasoning. So Aristotle, though he was very smart, he didn't see the world perhaps as uh, we would see the world today. And so for Aristotle, and of course his philosophy is shaping uh, Roman life, men were believed to be superior in their essence. So Roman culture was completely male-dominated. A family was 
ruled by the husband, the, the man. Uh, the father got to determine what to do with the children in the family. Whatever the father pleased, did not have to consult the wife on any uh, parenting issues whatsoever. Did not have to consult the wife on whether or not to sell their children um, as slaves to gain extra income. That's, that was the life of a family in the Roman Empire. Now, what Paul is doing as he writes this chapter, I want to give you that backdrop for us to see what Paul is doing. Paul is saying, now, wait a minute. There is a new order for Christians, a new way for you to relate to one another that is different from this way that you're seeing in in this empire that we're living, the standard Roman order. And he's, he's going to give men and women a new way to think about being husband and wives. And one key for Christian husbands and wives to relate differently than what they're seeing in the Roman Empire, is actually one verse before, verse 21, which says, Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. So that verse, it kind of provides the interpretive lens for instructions for wives, submitting to their husbands, and husbands as loving their wives. Whatever those instructions mean, those instructions mean they are to be accomplished with the verse that was just on the screen in mind. Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Now what is what does that mean for a marriage? This mutual submission. A marriage relationship, if you want to fill in blanks, a marriage relationship is one of mutual submission between husband and wife. This is what keeps the instructions to wives and husbands from being um, exploitative. In other words, verse 21 is what keeps husbands from using their wives and from wives from using their husbands and exploiting them. So let's think about mutual submission. What does that really mean? And sometimes it's, helpful to think about what is it not, or start by thinking what it is not. And I don't think, in general, mutual submission is back and forth negotiating. Uh, You might think of a married couple going out for dinner on a date night, and the wife thinks, oh, I'll I'll submit to my husband. Or where would you like to go out to eat? And the husband says, you know what, I want to submit to my wife. No, honey, you tell me where you want to go out to eat. And the wife says, thank you, honey, but no, we're going to go where you want to eat. And the husband says, no, it's you. And back and forth, they, they, they go, and it's this negotiation. I don't think back and forth negotiation is what Paul primarily had in mind when he tells Christians and husbands and wives to mutually submit to one another. What does it mean? Well, It certainly means that there's mutual support. It certainly means mutual submission that husband and wife has each other's best interest in mind, even before their own interest. It certainly means there's no exploitation. In other words, there's no thinking that I'm better, I'm superior in my marriage. Um, It 
It means more than mutual service to one another in the marriage, but it at least includes that. So we're getting this picture of what mutual submission looks like. It at least includes those things. It at least includes serving one another, having one another's best interests in mind. So Paul then spells out a bit more about what what mutual submission in marriage looks like, and it's interesting. We're going to look through these verses. Verses, words that he writes to wives, words that he writes to husbands, and they're not 50-50 in number of words or number of thoughts. Um, so let's, between husbands and wives, so let's look at what Paul writes to women, to wives. Wives, verse 22 we read, submit to your husbands. And, you know, in fact, in verse 22, I'll, let, me, let me give you something. It, he doesn't even use that word submit in verse 22. Um, it's just wives to husbands. You know, verse 21, we just read, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Wives to husbands. That's how verse 22 goes. That's statement one. Statement two, at the end of verse 33, a wife is to revere her husband. Now, now we're talking a wife revering her husband. Now a husband can relish being the center of attention from his wife, who should be ready to treat him with all kinds of reverence. Well, maybe not so fast, Um, especially on that center of attention stuff. So this this verse, um, where it's certainly describes a very loving, respecting attitude that a wife would have for her husband. It's also likely that this verse is kind of, it's, 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 a, it's bookending this section. Um, one of the rhetorical devices that was common today and in Paul's time is using the same language to bookend a section of, of Scripture that is presenting one, one theme. And verse 21 we're supposed to submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Verse 33, wives, revere or respect your husband. Paul is, Paul is bookending this little section of Scripture using the same language to say, hey, I'm, I'm writing about one unified, one unified theme here. So hold off on the, ah, oh, the husband gets to be the center of attention from his wife. That's probably not what Paul had in mind. And that's all that is said of wives in this scripture, but for husbands, on the other hand, Paul says more. Why? Well, in those days, and perhaps today as well, of husbands and wives, it is the husband that needs the most help in submission, especially in the ancient Roman Empire. It is the husbands that run the, the most risk in being unfaithful to this way of submission. In ancient culture, husbands were not expected to be loving or sacrificing or submissive themselves in their marriage relationships. The Roman Empire, as we mentioned, taught men were substantively, in their substance, superior. So, in a corrective measure, verse 25 Paul gives a very countercultural instructions. Husband, love your wives. 
just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. Now, that is radically new teaching from Paul. That is something new that husbands were hearing from the culture around them. But how were they to be loving? You, you know, you tell someone to be loving, and they can think of all kinds of things that that must mean. And so Paul, let's focus on the end of that verse. Paul describes it. Just as Christ, this is love, just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. Paul points to Christ's model of sacrificial love. That's the model. So the model of a husband's love for his wife is what? It's self-sacrificing love. And one thing that means is voluntary servanthood because that is the way that Christ demonstrated his self-sacrificing love, his coming as a servant. So it certainly includes voluntary servanthood from the husband. Um, contrasting Christian practice from Roman Empire practice again. Uh, in, in ancient Roman Empire practice, the, 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 the model was wives served their husbands fully, 100%. Wives waited on their husband. If, if a guest came over uh, to, to the home, you wouldn't see the husband giving drinks for everyone. It would be the wife always acting as the servant. The husband got to call the shots and get his way. And Paul is introducing a radically new way for a husband to relate to his wife. Serve your wife. Serve your wife. Because the wife was already serving her husband. And Paul says that, that servanthood, that needs to be completely mutual. And, by the way, that is completely in line with... Uh, one of the scriptures that we've looked at in the study on Ephesians, and it's actually from Paul's letter to the Philippians, chapter 2, verses 3 through 5, where Paul writes, Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, and this is key, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of the others. And in your mindset, in your, mind, your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. So there we see this submission, this I'm valuing the other before I value myself. I'm valuing their interests above my own interests. That's submission. Richard Foster writes about submission. Submission is the ability to lay down the terrible burden of always needing to get our own way. Because my way is what I'm looking for if I am valuing my interest above the interests of others. The human struggle is equating, this is what we tend to do, we equate my way with the best way. We equate my way with the right way. We equate my way with the only way that ever will work. And we fail to see that there, boy, there very well may be different ways to go about doing something that would work. That would be very effective. So therefore, I don't have to get my way 
all of the time. And, and that's what submission, submission recognizes. Submission is getting behind someone else's way. Supporting someone else's way, even if it might not be my personal preference or choice. And, and then being committed to, to making the most out of that other way, that submission. You see, if, if, I, if I defer to the way of my wife, and then pout and fuss and have a bad attitude that I didn't get in my way, that is not submission. That is not the submission that Paul is writing about here. I can even secretly want to sabotage that other way <laughs> so that it will turn out badly, so then I will be able to say, uh-huh, I told you so. Let's try my way. That is not submission that Paul is writing about. Submission is something done in self-sacrificing love in marriage or in any human relationship. When we don't go with my way but your way, I should want to have the absolute best outcome as possible. I want that outcome to be very fulfilling, that submission. So I'm going to do all that I can to be supportive, to arrange myself underneath like that supportive bridge structure. That is true submission. So let's look at the next verse, verse 23. For the husband is the head of the wife, as Christ is the head of the church, his body of which he is the Savior. Now there's been much discussion and debate about, I should have put it in blue just to highlight it, head. What does head mean in that verse? So, Top two choices. Does head mean authority, which uh, that was the most common meaning of that word used throughout non-biblical literature and, and, and throughout the Bible. Head meaning the authority, um, the leader. Or does, it, does head mean source, like the headwaters might be the source of a, of a river? You can see how that might work. So, Often Christians who promote kind of a more egalitarian view of men and women, they'll argue, okay, source, I mean, head means source in, in, in that instance, that the husband is like the source of, of the wife. And then on the other hand, you have the overwhelmingly uh, large number of times that that head really means, and you can tell from context, means authority or, or the leader, um, in and in, in, in maybe that's what head means in that verse. Um, and, you know, people have just kind of gone back and forth on that. What does it mean? And here's what I would say. Um, even if Paul had in mind that the husband is the authority of the wife, Paul is telling husbands something, telling them this. Love your wife as Christ loved the church by laying down his life for it. And that is the model of leadership. <laughs> Put your interest behind that of your wife's. That's the model for leadership. If head means source here, on the other hand, a husband must recognize his responsibility to be the source of emotional and spiritual vitality for his wife. He must see himself ultimately as a servant of his wife, seeking to bless her and build her up and encourage her, encourage her walk with the Lord. Okay. If head means authority here, which it may mean, Same deal. He must serve his wife, build her up. 
because isn't that what Jesus did with his headship? He loved the church. He built up his church. He gave himself up so that he could present the church to himself as a radiant and holy bride. So what should a husband do in his headship? Either way you want to use that term as source or as authority, the, the conclusion of Paul's direction is the same. Love your wife and give yourself to her. This is Jesus gave himself to the church. But one thing we do know here is that it says the husband is the head of the wife. Uh, there is something there. It's not, those are not just empty or irrelevant words. Husbands, you are called to a unique relationship with your wife. You're either the source of certain good in her life, nourishing her with love and vitality or encouragement. You're called to authority that protects and that guides in that relationship. But one thing about headship, it never will mean superior. Never. Headship of the husband never means hierarchy. Headship doesn't mean having, like, ultimate veto power. No, we're not going to do that. Over your wife. Headship does not mean that. If we think husband being the head means husband being first, then we've got it wrong. Unless it's this. The husband, as the head, is the first one who gets to lay down his life in the marriage. That's the only way that husband the head means husband first. He's the first one who gets to lay down his life on behalf of his spouse. So being a husband means having huge responsibility. But it's not this. It's not the responsibility to make everything work out by having the answers to everything. It's more about an attitude. And this leads us to another really important point from the scripture, and it's this. Husbands are not to be Christ to their wives, but Christ-like to their wives. See, Christ is the one who has an answer for everything. Husbands are not called by God to have the answer for everything. Husbands are called by God to be Christ-like to their wives. Christ is is superior to his church in all ways. That is not true with a husband to his wife. A husband and wife are equal in value. They will not be equal in gifts. A husband and wife bring unique gifts and strengths to the marriage, do they not? And a wife will be much better than her husband in many things. Could be money management. Could be making the household run. It could be driving a car more safely. 
a wife could be better at moral decision-making than her husband. That's entirely possible. A wife could be better at strategic planning to get something complicated done well. A wife could be better at Bible study than her husband. That's okay. That's okay. So look at verse 24. When it says wives, look at this, wives should submit to their husbands and everything. When it says that, it very it may be very well and wise for a husband's mutual submission to his wife to include um, following her lead in many an occasion. Why? Because a husband is not called to be Christ to his wife, but Christ-like to his wife. He doesn't have to have all the answers. So Paul is saying to husbands, you can give up your special privilege of male superiority because that's what they were hearing from the Roman Empire. You are superior. Paul saying, you can lay that down. You don't have to get, you don't have to have it your way all the time. So Paul is saying, a husband is, one more time, is not Christ, but Christ-like. Verse 25 says, husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. Um, so when it comes to love in a marriage, you know, it's, it's great to have that friendship love. It's great to have, and kind of the, 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 the Greek word for love, for that, the phileo love, the friendship love, that's, that's wonderful in a marriage. It's great to have the eros love, the kind of the, the physical carnal love of passion. That's, that's great to have in a marriage. It's all fine and good. It's great to have those kinds of love. But Paul is saying, he says, husbands, love your wives. He's using that agape love, that that self-giving, sacrificing love. The the agape kind of love, and that's the term used there. It's it's that love that, that gives itself to the benefit of the other and puts that other's interest before his own. Paul says in verse 25, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. And I want to concretize that verse just a little bit for us this morning. Christ loved his church. That's made up of you and me and all Christians. If you follow Jesus, you're a part of the church. Let's concretize that verse a little bit. And you're in it. You're in the church. That means that Jesus loves you, and he gave his life up for you. Why does Christ do that? Look at verses 26 and 27. Christ does that to make her, the church, holy, you holy, cleansing her, cleansing you, by the washing with water through the word, and to present you to himself as a radiant church, you, you're in it, without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish, but holy and blameless. Why does Christ love you? Why does Jesus love you? So they could have this oneness with you. 
so that he could present you to himself as holy and blameless and have this intimacy. And I, and I thought, how can someone, how can I know that Christ really loves me? He died on the cross. Yes, yes, he did that. So that he could make you radiant before him. Yes, yes. Yes, he did that. Why? So that he could have this union with you. As verse 30 says that we are members of his body. So he could have this union, this intimacy with you. That's why Christ did that. And if you look at verse 30, there, there's actually, there, there's a little phrase that gets left off there. It's, it's on that. If you, if you open up your King James Bible, you'll see it. For we are members of his body, of his flesh and of his bones. And you don't find that in all translations. But there are plenty of ancient, old, trustworthy manuscripts that includes that of his flesh. We're of his flesh. We're of his bones. And we often think, oh, yeah, the body of Christ. Being a part of the body of Christ, it's a metaphor. It means that we're really a, just a bunch of people that are supposed to be close to one another. It's just a metaphor. Well, what if, what if metaphor is not the best way of understanding being part of the body of Christ? What if Jesus is really after this much deeper union with you? And the best way that we can wrap our minds around that union is to realize, as Paul writes, that you're part of his flesh and you're part of his bones. That he wants to fill you with his spirit and have this union with you where where one flesh, that's the best way of putting that union between you and Christ. And then, and then Paul, I mean, and then Christ, Christ gives marriage as a sign of that, that union. What if, what if that's reality? Where, where, where through a husband and wife's agape love, the love that moves them to submit to one another out of reverence for Christ, that offers just this picture of the intimate union that Christ desires with you. And then Paul says, so Christians, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ because in doing so, that's that's where we start to really wrap our minds around this incredible invitation that Jesus offers to us to be a part of his body, not as a metaphor, but to be one with his flesh, one with his bones, this mystical union. So that's the invitation. It's an invitation for oneness with Christ. And in receiving that invitation, Paul says, husbands and wives, love one another, submit to one another. Fellow Christians, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. What is, what is the Holy Spirit saying to you this morning? Maybe in your role as a husband, as a wife, as a father, as a friend, submit to one another. Out of reverence for Christ, let's pray. Our Lord and our God, thank you that 
you came to serve us. You are our head. You are the source of life, and you are our leader. And you say, now here's my model of leadership. I want you to be a servant. Help us to put that in practice. Not just because that's the kind thing to do, but when we serve one another, that is a way for us to participate in your way of life, how you relate to us. And by so doing, we are able to live more faithfully as people that you have invited into this incredible intimacy with you. We pray, Lord Jesus, that we would not take for granted your sacrifice for us, but that it would um, be the power for us to love one another and to submit to one another out of our love for you. It's in your name that we pray. Amen.